Welcome to Holiness Talks. In this episode, we want to conclude our conversation about holiness in Leviticus chapter 19. In the last episode, we looked at Leviticus chapter 19 within the overall context of the holiness code that comprises of Leviticus chapter 17 through 26. And we made some silent observations as we considered the chapter. Again, we want to look at it from verse 2. Here we find the instruction that God gave to the children of Israel. Speak to all the congregation of the sons of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. In that last episode, we showed the significance of God's instruction to the children of Israel. We started by saying that the holiness that God commanded from the children of Israel is predicated upon his own holiness. God says the children of Israel should live lives that are in agreement with their redemption out of the land of Egypt. They were now his people. They were free from bondage. They got out of Egypt. He has made a covenant with them in Exodus chapter 19, verses 5 and 6. And because of that covenant and that special relationship that they had with God, they were supposed to be a holy people. So we discussed about the necessity of holiness. The first one, and the most important, being the fact that God commands his people to be holy because he is holy. And of course, we looked at some other reasons, and then we looked at the nature of holiness. In this episode, we want to go a little bit further and look at holiness in that chapter and see some practical instructions that were given to the children of Israel. If you look at the chapter, you look at verse 2 to verse 10, where we have religious duties that are specified. In the last part of verse 2, God told them to be holy. And that holiness is to be lived out and worked out in practical details in the lives of his people. In verse 3, God commands the people that they should honor parents and honor the Sabbath. In other words, they should give respect both to their parents. And today we might say to those who are older than we are, not only in terms of age, but to those who have authority over us. Unfortunately, we live in societies today where respect doesn't mean much. And where, of course, we can do whatever we want, any day we want to do it, regardless of our religious or spiritual commitments. In verse 4, God tells the people there should be no idolatry. Need we talk about idolatry today? Paul explains to us that covetousness is idolatry. When we hear about idols today, our minds go to places around the world where people worship idols. And of course, there are quite a number of places. But the truth is that 
it is not just those who worship idols physically who are idolaters. Whatever we love more than God, whatever takes the place of God in our lives, becomes idols unto us. And then in verses 5 to 10, God tells the people of Israel what they need to avoid. Talks about sacrifices and the type of food they should eat. Then you go from verses 11 through 18, we see the importance of good neighborliness. That's very important and significant for us today. From verse 11, it says, You shall not steal, nor deal falsely, nor lie one to another. You shall not swear falsely by my name, so as to profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. And we're told in verse 12, not to profane the name of God. You shall not swear falsely. Then verse 13, you shall not oppress your neighbor, nor rob him. The wages of a hired man are not to remain with you all night until morning, which addresses employers and employees' relationship. So don't oppress your neighbor. How appropriate are those words for us today? And he says, wages should be paid. It is important. We live in days where there's exploitation, economic slavery, economic exploitation, economic injustice. And we need to remind ourselves, we can't talk about holiness without talking about justice. And that involves the way we treat the people who work for us. If we are in a position that we are employers, and then he says in verse 14, you shall not cause a deaf man nor place a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall revere your God, for I am the Lord. Verse 15, you shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor, nor defer to the great. That immediately brings back to our mind James chapter 2, where Paul talks about partiality, a sin which is rampant today. Partiality based on social status, partiality based on where you come from, partiality based on race, based on education, based on wealth, based on connections, that there should be no partiality under any circumstance. The believers are to avoid that. We don't have anything to do with it. Remember in the case of James, it tells about somebody who has money, is well-dressed, is in a good position and comes to the church and is well-treated. And then you, on the other hand, we see someone who is shabbily dressed, comes into the temple or into the church and is not well-treated. Well, don't we see that today? How do we treat people when they come to church? How do we respond to people when they come to church? We judge people based on what they wear and issues like that. No partiality, we're told. And then he says, we shall not defer to the great, but you are to judge your neighbor fairly. You shall not go about as a slanderer among your people. Think in terms of James chapter 3. You see, Leviticus chapter 19 actually says a lot. 
and you are not to act against the life of your neighbor, I am the Lord. Of course, in verses 19 to 37, talks about miscellaneous duties. What are we to do? What are we not to do? But today, I want to focus specifically on Leviticus chapter 19, verse 19. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 19. You are to keep my statutes. You shall not breed together two kinds of your cattle. You shall not sow your field with two kinds of seed, nor wear a garment upon you of two kinds of materials mixed together. It is quite instructive that when you look at Leviticus chapter 19, it's divided into two panels, which is the first panel, 1 to 18, and then the next panel is 19 to 36. It is not a coincidence that the second panel starts with verse 19, where it talks about mixed hybrids, that we are not to mix things, talks about hybrids, and this is very, very important. And here, we begin to see what holiness entails. Holiness entails or includes a notion of distinctiveness, that we are distinctive. You see, tied to God's fundamental division between all things sacred and from all things profane is God's decisive fundamental division between Israel and the Gentiles. And of course, and the main thrust here you find in Leviticus 19 to 37 is communal. We are told that we should not mix things. You see, the important place of verse 19 in the context of the whole chapter is very important. Why is that so? Why are we looking at it specifically? First, a close examination shows that the whole chapter is divided into two equal parts, which we have mentioned just a while ago by that verse. Except with the addition of all, the two verses, verse 19 and verse 37, open with similar exhortation. You shall keep my statutes. This is probably to show the place of verse 18, the climatic place of verse 18 in the preceding exhortation and prepare us for the next section. You see, you find a transition from the love of neighbor to prohibitions of mixed breeding. And this is striking. More importantly, for our discussion on this episode is the occurrence of the word unequal yoke, mixed breeding. The Greek word there is heterozygontes. We talk about heterozygotes in agriculture. What exactly then does this forbidding mixture mean in verse 19? What is it? What does it mean? And what it means is important for us to know. You know why? Because you come to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 from verse 14. And it is of relevance to us today when we talk about Christian theology and ethics. You see it in 2 Corinthians when it says, 
be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 19, reveals an appreciation of the relation between the love of the neighbors and the prohibition. The love of the neighbors in verse 18 and the prohibition. Is in Israel, both were aspects of holiness. The divisions within the animal kingdom mirrored those within the animal world, between clean and unclean people, between Israel and the nations. God has separated Israel from among the nations to be his own possession. As such, in the major decisions of life, Israel was constantly reminded that it was different, that it was holy, that it was set apart for God's service. Now, if that is the case in Leviticus chapter 19, and particularly in verse 19, then we know that 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, becomes important for us today. It is within the context of a passage that demands holiness in every sphere of life of the Israelite that we meet the injunction against hybrids in Leviticus 19.19. So the issue here is the principle of separation. Identities must not be blood. What does that mean for us today as Christians? It means identities cannot be blood. What do we mean by identities being blood? We need to understand who we are. Just like Israel, was called out of Egypt, redeemed by God, separated unto God. We are called by God out of sin, out of darkness. Peter says it. He said, he brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light. In the same way that Israel was brought out of Egypt, God is calling us, he has called us out of Egypt, metaphorically, or spiritually, or symbolically. And now, we are his people. Identities must not be blood. You see, this is the point in Leviticus chapter 19. And that's the tenor of the whole chapter. Verse 19 encapsulates the entire chapter where God says, listen, you are my people. Hootman an Old Testament scholar, suggests that the law of Leviticus 19 seeks to prevent the blurring of very variety of species that God created. That is, it is an attempt to preserve the diversity in the created world. Diversity. To preserve the diversity. And that's very, very important. Mary Douglas, an anthropologist, puts it this way. Holiness requires that different classes of things shall not be confused. Different classes of things shall not be confused. Now, let me be clear. When we talk about holiness as separation, we must not equate separation with isolation. Those are two different things. We are in the world. We are not of the world. 
if we remember very well, the word of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, where he was addressing the issue of a man who had affairs with his father's wife. He enjoined discipline. And then he told them from chapter 5 verse 9, he said, I have written to you before that if anyone be called a brother and is found to be a fornicator, somebody who is not behaving right, who is not living right, he said, with such a one, I told you not even to eat, don't do anything with him. He said, but I'm not talking about those who are in the world because we don't have any business judging those who are in the world. He said, if we are talking about those who are in the world, then you need to get out of the world altogether. And Jesus says it clearly in John chapter 17, that you and I are in the world, we're not of the world. So holiness as separation must not be confused with isolation and segregation. In our offices, we still work with non-believers day after day. We ride with them, we talk with them, and do so many things. We have activities, our ways intersect, and things like that. But having said that, we maintain our identity like children of God that we are. We make sure in our talking, in our talking, no coarse jesting, in our walking, our values are completely different. Our lives are different. You see, perhaps a further clue to understanding Leviticus chapter 19, verse 19, lies in the appreciation of the importance of the mixture of the fabrics. In Leviticus 19, 19, he said, don't mix fabrics. A Jewish scholar, Old Testament scholar, Jacob Milgram, he says the weaving of the fabrics that is made from mixed field was probably proscribed because those mixtures were reserved for the sacred places. It is very, very important. The appearance of heterogeneous mixture is taken as a hallmark of holiness. That's what Menachem Haran, a Jewish scholar, says. It is very, very important. We need to bear in mind Leviticus 19.19, Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 9 and verse 11 say all that. Those mixtures were forbidden because the items involved belonged to the sacred sphere, which was a sanctuary. Therefore, we could conclude that Israel as a nation belonged to the sphere that was sacred, belonged to the sacred sphere. That is the sphere of God's holiness. Therefore, we have the various injunctions and the holiness code that required their distinctiveness. What are we saying? What we're saying is very simple. When we read 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 to 7, 1, which we'll read now, you see clearly that in the same way that Israel was to avoid Hybrids, we are to be distinct. Second Corinthians in chapter 6 from verse 14. We're getting into that because of Leviticus chapter 19. And let's hear what it says. It's a passage we know quite well. But let's remind ourselves again. Do not be bound together with unbelievers. The old King James says, be not 
unequally yoked. Do not be bound together. There's supposed to be no mixture. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Or what harmony has Christ with Belial? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of God. Just as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord. And do not touch what is unclean. And I will welcome you. And I will be a father to you. And you shall be sons and daughters to me. So God calls us to be distinct. God calls you and me to be distinct, to live for him every day of our lives. And again, let's repeat, we're not talking about stained glass holiness, not at all. We're not talking just about holiness that is isolated, that has nothing to do with people, not at all. That's not what we're talking about. And we're talking about holiness that is separated unto God, not isolated Remember, for salt to be meaningful, to be of any effect, it cannot be isolated. If you put salt on its own, it doesn't do anything. You have to put salt and mix it with something. So we're not talking about holiness that is isolated. And then remember, God called the children of Israel to holiness. This is not just positional holiness, as some people would argue, this is not just positional holiness. Well, I'm just holy positionally. No, this is practical holiness. God is calling us to practical holiness. Holiness in everyday life. Holiness in everything we do. Day by day, moment by moment. You see, Leviticus 19 really says a lot. And we can't, exhausted. If we look at it bit by bit, as we've tried to do, I mean, we've painted everything with a broad brush, but you see it, no mixed breeding, no pagan practices, no prostitution, no necromancy, that is communing with the dead, nothing like that. You as a believer, what do you do? You look at your stars and say, well, you are Piscates, you are Sagittarius or whatever it is. You have nothing to do with it. In verse 32, you respect the old. In verse 33 to 34, you love the alien. Verses 35 to 36, there's fair trading. I mean, it, the whole chapter covers every aspect of daily living. What it means to be the people of God on a day-to-day -day basis, on a daily basis, living for him every day. As he gives us the grace. That's why we looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 to 7 1. We belonged to God's fear of holiness and were to live lives that befit our calling. That's the message of Leviticus chapter 19. We belong to God. And since we belong to Him, let's live as befits our calling. 
that's important. Remember the whole story of Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar had a wife called Pompeia. And Pompeia was accused of impropriety that she did something wrong. And immediately, Julius Caesar decided to divorce her. Later on, he found out that the accusations were baseless. But in the meantime, he taken a rash decision and divorced Pompeia. And they asked him, well, the evidence shows that she didn't do anything wrong. Well, what did he say? He said, well, Caesar's wife must be above suspicion. Caesar's wife must be above suspicion. Yeah, we might not agree with what Julius Caesar did in punishing that woman and divorcing her simply because he had the power to do it, simply because he was the emperor. But his point is well taken. Caesar's wife must be above suspicion. How much more? You and I are not just Caesar's wife. We are sons and daughters of God. Our lives must be transparent. Our lives must be above suspicion. We say what we mean. We mean what we say. In other words, holiness is about integrity. Holiness is about integrity. Living our lives in such a way that God is honored and God is glorified no matter where we are, no matter what we do. And remember, we belong to God. We belong to the sacred space. We are to be separated. We are to be distant. We are to be known as people who follow the Lord, people of the book. The disciples are known. They say, behold, how they love one another. And we're told in Acts chapter 11 that they were called Christians first in Antioch. Well, it's not because of their shouting. It's not because of their jumping. It's not because of anything. But they observe their lives. And possibly, they knew the disciples of Aristotle. They knew the disciples of all those philosophers. And they say, well, these people are distinct. These people are different. They can only belong to their master. And we think that their master must be that Nazarene Christ. So they call them Christians. And Jesus himself said, by their love, they shall know you are my disciples. Our holiness is to show forth in daily living. Again, we thank God for redeeming us. We thank God for calling us. We thank God for saving us. Holiness is a response, a necessary response to our calling, a necessary response to the grace that God has manifested and has shown in our lives. Thank you very much for listening. God bless you.